everyone, I'm Lauren and that's Carla. Hello. And this is Chirping with ABA Owls, season two, episode nine. This is our penultimate episode before we have a break. Yay us. So we, um, <laughs> we're quite excited to be Yay. nearing the end of a season for us. Um, just a disclaimer at the beginning that these are our thoughts and experiences. You know, we're not claiming to know everything. We're only speaking from our empirical practice. And we just love sharing our information and knowledge with you guys. Carla, is there anything we need to discuss from the previous podcast? I can't remember, to be honest. I can't remember because we've recorded so many. <laughs> I, do, I do not know. I think if, if there were, we'll discuss it at some other time. I think it's fine, honestly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Carl and I have done quite a lot of recording recently. So sometimes these things become mm. a bit of a blur. Apologies, guys. Um, and also, if you guys have any topics that you'd like us to chat about or something that you're interested in and you want us to talk about, please, you know, send us your, your email. Um, email us with ideas or you can message us on Facebook or Instagram. So our email address is aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website. That's abaowls.com. And on Instagram, we are at aba underscore owls. And on Facebook, we're just aba owls. So all the ABAs. <sighs> And all the owls. Oh, should be like you know those uh, tongue tying exercises where you go uh, the three tooth tiger or whatever. Yes, <laughs> kind of like yes, that. Exactly um, that. All right. So for today, as you've seen from the title, we've got another guest, and we love our guests, and it's quite nice to have someone for a change of pace, so you don't get sick of me and Lauren chatting. Um, and our guest for today is Dennis. Oh hi, good to see you. Yeah. So um, <laughs> so Dennis and I are actually together, guys. So Carl is on the other side of the world and Dennis and I are sitting together. And Dennis and I work together. And how we found each other is a bit interesting, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, maybe. But um, Dennis is... Should we, is it rude to describe how old you are, Dennis? Not at all. Not at all. So Dennis is in his <laughs> 70s. Um, he's in his 70s and he's still working and still has more energy than most of the teenagers I know. So he's quite exciting to work with. Um, and he's had a quite a long career working with the youth. So, yeah, I think that Dennis will also describe a few things that he's interested in talking about today. And we've got some questions for Dennis and Dennis has got some questions for us. So, yeah, did you want to, is there anything else I need to add? Well, not really. Okay. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a, yes. It's a privilege yes. to be here on, on ABA Owls. Yes. Um, so, Dennis is also South African, if, in case it isn't obvious, from the accent. So, you'll have double whammy today. Dennis has spent <laughs> most of his life in South Africa, so maybe his is a bit stronger than mine. But um, treat for everybody elsewhere in the world to listen to two South Africans at once. See, I think that. Dennis has a Dennis, you have a nicer voice for podcasting than we do. I find oh, my voice yeah. too shrill for podcasting. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. It is quite Look nice. To that. And it's quite nice to have a man. You know, there's a lot of ladies in our field. Um okay. it's quite dominated by females. Not that that's a bad thing at all, but I do think it's quite well, nice to have some variety. In America I think it's quite different. I think in America it's the other way around actually. Because I've yeah. seen in America they have, I'm not sure, but I think I've seen like, um, you know, ABA female only organizations or like, so So for me, I think, okay, what's happening in the US that there's a need to create a female only mm. organization in ABA because in the UK, everything's just mixed. It doesn't matter. It's just like, 
you know, yeah. there's no okay, separation. So I know, no, it's quite curious. Um, I come, I came across it um last year or a year and a half ago or something. Mm. I was a bit, oh, okay, what's happening I, there? I, but actually, what's interesting is that if you look at the like the forefathers or the greats, the doctors, a lot mm. of them are male. So maybe there is something mm. in that color. And also, let's not forget um, that the UK is behind the US in terms of the ABA world and journey. It sort of boomed in yeah. America and then spilled over to the UK. So maybe we're catching up, you know. Well, I think in, in South Africa, we desperately need males in the field. Yeah. Um, we have a, a very, very poor role model background to a lot of families. And uh, mm. I think a lot, of, a lot of the boys really, really need not only the boys, girls as well, need to see what uh, what being a male is and what it's like to actually be called to to be to to serve others uh, in a field well, that, yeah. that is uh, more than just uh, muscle and mm. brawn, mm. but uh, yeah. using yeah. your your brain as well. Exactly, representation is important for everyone, isn't it? Like male, female, doesn't matter the skin color. It's just it's quite important when you see people you can relate to doing something yeah. that you find interesting, isn't mm. it? Well, Absolutely. we just went very, very deep, very early on. <laughs> That's chats with Dennis, Carla, I promise you. <laughs> well, it's good. Um, all right, so Dennis, do you want to ask the first question or do you want us to ask you first a question? Well, why don't you ask me? See, I'm, oh, not, yes. good at, I'm not good at answering. Uh, I, never, I never did well at exams, but uh, give it, let's give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be marking you, so that's fine. Um, so m my question is, so it's it's a, let's say a compound question. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of trials lately, so <laughs> the term compound comes up a lot. So um, so I was I wanted to know like what what did you want to do with? So what was your dream of when you were a kid, and did you actually do that? And how did you transition into what you're doing now throughout your life? So basically, your life. I'm asking. Oh, my word. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, um, hey, that's a privilege to be able to tell you about because, um, yeah, I started off, um, I, I don't think I had a lot of direction, to be honest. Uh, mm. my, my schooling never gave a lot of, uh, it, it didn't stimulate us to, to think outside of the box and to be doing much thought about the future at all. We were, mm. um, they, we were sort of like cookie cutters, you know. We were, mm. we were being groomed uh, shortly after the Second World War to, to actually just get in there and become productive. And it was very much in the, in the field of the, uh, of the skills that were needed to reconstruct a country uh, after um, its men had been away. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, um, I've always loved the outdoors, Carla, and uh, I think I was very privileged to, to go through the uh, scouting movement. I was, first of all, a, a little cub, and then I was a boy scout, um, and uh, that uh, made a huge impression on me. The, the men in scouting uh, were people that I respected. They were people who... Uh, clearly indicated by their behavior that I was important. And uh, that made all the difference in the world because nobody at, at, in my formal schooling, um, whether it was primary or high school, 
really gave me that sense of you're important. Um, they never mm. took the time time to find out about me or um, or to know about my interests. So uh, this is a good question for me. It makes me feel special. Mm. Thank you. See, my husband was in Scouts as well when he was young. Good for him, yeah. But it was, I think it was a different experience than yours because his was more like uh, they found it funny to get the kids and they were doing a, a chase game and they rubbed them against poison ivy. They found that quite hilarious. So his experience <laughs> okay. was slightly different, I think. <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course, of course, our scouting too was, was very much in a, a separatist environment because we were an all-white boys situation, uh, mm. which was very, very unfortunate. Uh, of course, across the tracks were the people with darker skins, uh, and they were doing identical stuff. Every now and again, if we were to do a national event, we would get to meet each other. But really, in our societies, uh, in our suburbs, we, we, we were... Uh, all, all white people together, which was unfortunate. But anyway, it's, um, I, I went from that um, into agriculture, to believe it or not. Um, oh! I, I was, uh, after school, I, I went to, to do a technical uh, diploma mm. in, uh, in soil conservation, how to conserve the soil of our subcontinent. Mm. And... Um, after that, I worked for a while with farmers, helping them to understand uh, how to farm in a way that was sustainable and a way that mm -hmm. uh, kept, their, um, kept their soil intact. Uh, but that didn't last very long. I enjoyed the service aspect of that. I also enjoyed the outdoors. But uh, it wasn't long before I got involved in youth work. Yeah. And then what, how, how did you feel different about youth work versus just working with the soil and helping people understand that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that uh, when one is, when one has been groomed by a person with role modeling, mm -hmm. you actually become like them. Mm. And uh, a lot mm. of our scout masters were people that, that really role model. They were okay. consistent in their mm. lifestyle. What they said, what they did was the same thing as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. And that made a huge difference to the way that uh, I saw life. Uh, because whether I was serving the farmer mm -hmm. or whether I was serving a young person, mm. uh, it was very much the same. I, uh, I, I just enjoyed the, the, the privilege of service, mm. really. Yeah, of course, I had to get into the technicalities of youth yeah. work, which was something else. Yeah, of course. When did you do the transition from agriculture to working with uh, young people? Well, I, I guess I, um, I transitioned at about the age of uh, 30. Um, and uh, I actually was working in the field for about five years before I did any formal education in uh, in youth work mm. so uh so it uh it was yeah that's about how it was and uh we're talking i suppose about 1977 really okay if you want to put a, a no, date to a it pin on it <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um dennis did you um 
so the but it was always outdoors and working with youth that was the the best duo yeah uh, young people had to be had to be introduced to the out of doors mm. um mm. and of course our our youth work developed because of course um our youth work was uh, it was a faith based organization that i worked for um and we had to almost transition into very hands-on youth work. So um, kids like to experience stuff. And, uh, and that's what we yeah. were trying to help them to experience. We were, we were trying to communicate our concern and our love for them uh, in order for them to feel comfortable with who they were. So the whole issue of, of self-identity was, uh, was an important aspect to, to the work that we did. Um, yeah, so, so three years after I entered, no, in fact, it was longer than that. It was about five years after I entered into full-time work with, uh, with the NGO. I, I took some time out and did some formal studies. Oh, okay, sure. What did you, what did you study? I studied theology, um, oh. but I, it was an integrated course. So we had some, um, I obviously did the, uh, a, a, an elective in the outdoors, camping, um, and, and, and that was, that was something that I enjoyed a lot, but of course, uh, did, did quite a lot of work in the field of, of, uh, of human development as well. Okay, sure. I don't well, even know so if you can it's... study stuff like that anymore. I don't even know. Is it, is it a thing? Where do you find out? I, I don't know. Maybe just go online, but like theology, yes, but, um, yes, yeah. but nowadays they do like the, the fancy names and everything is very tailored no. you know it's like yeah. it's, instead of instead of studying a lot like lots of fields and then you choose a speciality they're very much into choose a speciality immediately yeah well it's, it's also in, in, Africa, in portugal it's like that yeah everyone's obsessed with a bachelor of commerce you must have a bachelor of commerce oh. then you'll be golden and i'm like i know lots of bcom students bachelor of commerce students who literally i don't understand how they got through because it's so not their ball game I'm like, why did you do this to yourself? You know. Anyway, they've got work, but they're not happy. Yeah, I think one of the things that 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 is important to me is an integrated uh, service to kids. So I think that mm. the the youth worker of today needs to be uh, somebody who can work in the field with uh, uh, with children with special needs. Uh, they also need to be able to work across the board, especially in South Africa, to be able to. Uh, integrate racially is a very, very important aspect because South Africa mm. is still uh, relatively separatist in the way that it lives life, which is mm. very, very unfortunate. But it's one of those things. Uh, we're, we're also, if, if anybody wants to talk youth work here, you've got to be thinking, you've got to be able to politicize mm. or be quite politically aware. I'm not talking about po mm. politically correct. I'm just talking about mm. politically aware of what's going on, mm. because as you know, Carla, yeah. we we have a huge, um, a huge unemployment uh, situation in this country, especially amongst mm. young people. Yeah, yeah, because I, you know, I know more about South Africa because of you know being friends with Lauren for what seven years now. Yeah, <laughs> We're going I think. On, so. I think. Um, Gosh, and it. And it's just good to have a different perspective from other countries, because even in Portugal, like thinking about ABA and 
and services and finance and it's quite low and it's you know there's also a big need and unemployment it's quite similar to South Africa in that way um and you know sometimes Laura and I when people would moan about the system in the UK which you know we know it could be better but Laura and I would be always rolling our eyes being like listen you don't know what a need is okay (laughs) you know I know in the UK there's difficulties but where we're from there's it's it doesn't even compare um yeah so you know yeah it's always good to be appreciative you know to yeah to, you know so like people you know i always talk to people in the uk would moan about the the weather and i was like well at least you have you know social services that can help you as so in south africa we've got amazing weather but we might not always have the social services to support us. I know so, ev- everyone you know, got, like everyone has asked me why are you here from portugal and i always ask them um you know will you work in portugal because if you can find me a job there that's well paid you know yeah <laughs> that, that's always the reply I give <laughs> to be like exactly. I need to pay the bills I need to live make a living and <laughs> you know <laughs> at least you know uh, I, I know people always think about the weather yes the weather's lovely I agree but there's more to life than the weather I would say yeah and, and I think also what appeals to some people doesn't appeal to others you know yeah um, some people get depressed with the sun yeah but also <laughs> I know um, a few variety is good you know and i think that's what we have i think maybe in in our generations is that the difference between dennis and maybe you and i call is that we have more options about where to move in the world i don't know if it was as easy to move around i don't know i just think i know so many people who are international couples and international people and they study in canada and they live in america and they're from south america it's it's very there's a lot of variety, which and and even yeah. in jobs, there is so much more variety. When my mom, you know, and her mom, it was like you were a secretary, you were a librarian, or you were a teacher, or you're a receptionist. Now it's like there's so much variety, and I think that's can be a good thing, but I also think it can be quite. Um, it's too much sometimes to make choices. Yeah, when there's so much. It it can um, it can be hard because then you think. And we've spoken about this because then you think you you our generation got raised in the thing of you deserve everything and you deserve mm. the best and you deserve which is it's all very well and good to teach I'm not against that but it also creates that thing of when there's too many choices it's even harder to choose Absolutely. and then you see and you see a lot of people in our generation who are saying that they're miserable because you know they chose what they thought would be good. And then yeah. they don't really like it, but now yeah. there's more. Cha- they can change more, so there's more people changing, and I don't yeah. know. There's there's so so many behaviors there and, to be picked and apart. Un- unfortunately, even though Carl and I are both geeks and love to learn and have got a you know really took our education seriously, but you know there's a lot of people who you know studying isn't everything, and there's a lot of focus on you must go to university, you must have a degree. And sometimes that's not going to benefit you. Well, and have you, have any of you seen the American scandal, the thing with the universities? No. Oh, that that those all those actresses and actors were involved, and that guy oh. who got kids into Stanford and other universities, um, being oh. a fake athlete. Oh my! It's because because it's become a popularity contest, especially in the yeah. U.S. where. You know, you go to university because that's the one that sounds good, not because the curric because the curriculum is basically the same across universities. But you know, mm. it sounds better if you went to Harvard as opposed if you went to I don't know 
I don't know, the Bronx or another, Brunel or other universities, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot. There's 3,000 across the US. Um, yeah. No, I don't. But I, I do think there's an obsession. And I meet that l- lovely, uh, motivated young people with degrees who cannot find work. As even though there's an unemployment problem, it's so fascinating. I meet really like amazing young people who who really have gone the full hog and and done the studying, and they cannot find any purpose through work, which is really sad, and I think is a massive problem. If we are so focused on education and getting more education, and not about finding meaningful work for people we're actually setting these people up to fail because now they've got debt that they have to pay off and they can't find work to to pay off that debt. Well, in Portugal, everyone thinks you should be like a big time, whatever, whatever profession it is. But like my all my friends now, most of my friends have children and I've told them, I, as soon as your kids are old enough to understand, I'm going to be telling them, if you want, be a carpenter, be an electrician, be a plumber, Mm. You know, those people make good good money and, you know, and they like the job. They just go with what makes you happy. Don't think that you have to go with, oh, everyone has to be a doctor. Everyone has to be a lawyer and all those other professions like working in restaurants or agriculture or construction. They all get, you know, what's the word expression in English? Like, look sideways? Yeah, like, look oh, down upon. Oh, yeah, and you're like, oh, you do that. Like, well, they pay the bills, people sometimes like to do things with their hands, and you need people to do those professions, so... Absolutely. I mean... That's that's the problem with all this banking stuff, like London's this banking hub. It's like, oh, that's great, when the banks, like, when the banks start to shut down, there's no money. It's like, oh, what's going to happen to all these bankers now? What are they going to do with all this this experience and nothing to do? Yeah, I, I I think one of the key things is to ensure that kids have learnt to live in the moment, understand. Mm-hmm. Understand means that you need to have thought through some of the issues that are facing us as some of as some of your own giftedness and your own ability, uh, abilities that you've got. I think the bottom line is think and then think again. I think it was yeah, Grant Ad- exactly. Adams who wrote the book Think Again. And uh, I think it's it's very important for us to not just see life at face value, but to, to jump in there and understand that there's more to life than just uh, personal meaning, personal satisfaction, but that there are other people out there who need your involvement in order for them to be able to become effective participants in life, Mm. whether it's in Mm -hmm. Portugal, London, or South Africa. Mm. Um, Helping kids to think is crucial. In fact, I think that's probably our our key role, is helping kids to understand that they loved and then encouraging them to to think about their lives and their environment. Mm. Yes. Make decisions based on actual thinking and understanding what's happening around them because a lot of the times people are told to you think you should think it's I understand yeah I completely agree and I I see people even my age that have access to the internet and all this information that previous generations didn't have and they still don't research they still don't think for themselves and then you know 
they don't like their lives or they don't like this. And when you ask, okay, but why did you choose this? Why did you think that? And they can't give you a straight answer because they haven't been taught to observe everything and consider everything. And this, these are neurotypical people. So I can even imagine how hard it, how harder it is for people who have special needs. Carla, I think you're, I think you're spot on, and I think one of the things is that adults are not listening enough. I think that kids yeah. would like would like to explore and uh, discuss matters, but uh, I don't yeah. think that uh, too many people spend too long th uh, listening mm. and giving space mm. for for kids to to agree or disagree, to share a yeah. perspective which mm. perhaps isn't isn't particularly what the adult thinks about. Yeah. So I think that's a critical role in youth work these days is to is to understand that young people need to express themselves. Mm. And also um, encourage to, isn't it? Because I think sometimes yeah. if that's given to you, sorry, there's a dog barking. We're on a farm, guys. There's, there's noise and there's action. Um, so I think, yeah, I think... So often I hear kids speak and I hear their parents' voices. I don't hear kids' voices. Yeah. I hear their parents' mm. opinions. And it's so interesting what you hear if you really listen. And um, yeah. I often, I don't have arguments, but I often challenge the kids to try and explain it to me further. And that's when yeah. they get tongue-tied because it's not theirs. I think I think when we listen properly, we find out what the agenda needs to be, mm, yeah. what subject we yeah. need to address, mm. what issues yeah. need discussion, mm. uh, and so on. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a question, if that's okay, Carlos or Dennis. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So my question is, Dennis, how did you find out about working with kids with autism, or what was your first experience of kids with autism, and yeah, let's start with Ian, and then I've got a follow-up one. Well, I've been yeah. working in the area of uh, entrepreneurial skills training for a, a little while now. And um, in, in the program I was involved with was a young guy who was marginally autistic. And, uh, mm. it, and I don't know, but we just seemed to connect, you know. We did a lot of hands-on work together, and uh, I began to understand a little bit about what he enjoyed doing, what he didn't enjoy doing. I learned about how to communicate uh, and how to listen to this boy. Um, he was about 16 years of age, uh, very capable physically, um, and uh, but just again, you know, a little bit short on on social skills, uh, communication skills, and uh, that's how I was introduced to uh, to to people who were on the spectrum, and it was it was mm. very interesting for me. And uh, when that particular program slowed down, uh, I thought I needed to consider the possibility of, because I was, I was beginning to understand uh, how prevalent this particular issue is. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's when I started to uh, look around and see whether I couldn't be useful uh, in this field. Okay. And uh, that's, of course, is when I, I got in touch with ABA and with uh, ultimately with Lauren yeah. and now with you. Um, it's, <laughs> because, um, it's because I, I uh, realized that there was a science that actually was working on uh, all, the, all the important stuff when it came to, uh, uh, to 
being involved meaningfully with with kids who had these challenges yeah and then i've sort of got a follow-up one which is what has been your most rewarding experience working with kids or young people do you have a particular time that was really rewarding or do you have a particular kid or is it a particular experience what was your most rewarding experience of working with Lauren, kids I or think, young people i think it was the fact that we did connect Okay. Um, and we seem to connect at a deeper level mm. than just the average young person. Um, and and I think it was as we worked together. Um, I had been I've been a youth practitioner, focus on the practical part of being a youth worker. In other words, I I was out in the bush with kids camping, sitting around a campfire, cooking our own meals. And I think it's crucial that children be given the opportunity uh, to do, not just to be forced to think through things, but to actually mm-hmm. uh, do stuff so that there is mm-hmm. space for affirmation. I do believe in working with the strengths of, of kids as opposed to their weaknesses. And I think kids need to be affirmed for, for the amazing things that they can do, not the stuff yeah. that they can't do. Yeah. Exactly. But it is yeah. we that's what basically when I do um when I work with children or I do a program, that act funny enough, that's what I was talking about with one of my tutors recently, is let's start with the things they can do and create like we call it a momentum, like oh he's really confident and then maybe we slide in something that's harder just a little bit, just to try and get him to to see I can do all these amazing things, let me work on this harder thing and then we go back to okay now let's go back to all the amazing things you do just so it's not is not a big shock to the system that they don't, we don't want them to feel like oh there's so much I can't do no we want you to feel there's a lot you can do and there's things you can also learn about without knocking down their self-esteem and things like that you know yeah, I think confidence building is really, really, really important. Yeah. And I think it's one of Any the, human being. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's one of the things that most of the young people I work with, I don't want to say suffer from, but it's quite common. I see self-doubt and I see hesitation. when Even yeah. when I know that they can do something, they'll hesitate because they don't want to get wrong or they don't want to disappoint you. Well, I don't even know. I, I can't figure out yeah. what it might be. But it is very prevalent um, especially amongst the community that you and I work with quite, quite exclusively as autism or special needs of some description. Yeah. So it is, it's very common. And I relate to that. I remember being young and, and hesit, you know, sort of not being confident. Yeah. And so I, I can understand it. So I can sympathize with it. And I can, I think I, I get it. So I'm more likely to understand why you would do it and how to support you to feel better about it. Um, which I think is quite important. I don't know if I received that from the role models or the teachers or whoever in my life. I'm not sure I, I got or that. Or a mixture, a, a mixture, I think. Yeah, no, it's, of course, yeah. But I think that's, that, that's what I was trying to say earlier on. Mm. My school career was certainly, I never never found an adult that, uh, that guided or uh, affirmed or encouraged me in any way. Uh, until I actually had to step up and and prove myself, uh, and only then was was I recognised. Mm. And um, 
that was that was unfortunate, I think. Mm. Which and of course this raises the whole thing of um, the work that we do, not only with the young person but with the parent mm. or the parents of that young mm -hmm. person. And I think I think there's as much work to ha to be done uh, with the parent. Than, yes. uh, or the caregiver yes. than the actual child or the young person himself mm. or herself. Oh. I think um, what, yeah. And I just wonder, I just wonder what uh, uh, what ABA is doing to to think through that one and uh, reinforce the caregiving uh, model or role of people in with our with our kids. Mm. See, I think it's such a good. Uh, question to have because Laura and I do talk about it all the time in the sense of the parents also need to know about this and you know I don't know what everyone in ABA is doing that lots of the people we know they focus on the child and the child only and my personal practice when I you know meet clients and I try to get and I have new people is that I like the parents to be as involved as possible and I do say to them, and I've, because I've seen this work, the more the parent is involved, the more progress and the child makes and faster. Um, yeah. And I've, I, you know, cases where parents don't learn about ABA or how about they can help the child, usually it takes longer for them to progress. And then I've seen when parents joining and join on the sessions and learn basic procedures and, you know, how to motivate the child. And the progress is completely different, um, and it and it does make a difference when your own parents are are active in your life. Um, even from my personal experience with my parents, you know, my parents were both full time workers. My mom, she's a doctor, so she as well always had an extra load. But I never felt that she was absent from my life because they were, you know, she my birthdays, she booked off. She helped me with the science part of school, like asking me questions. So she she tried to be as active as possible as she could in my education. And they were always both very interested in knowing what I was doing, what I liked. And I think that instead of, you know, that makes a big difference rather than people saying, OK, you sort him out, you you help him. And it makes a big difference when you know the people who gave birth to you or who are your parents, you know, because your parents don't have to give birth to you, obviously. And uh, but it it may, I feel like it makes a big impact. So I always, when I start a new program, I try to tell, I try to involve the parents, and I even try to incorporate in my programs targets for the parents to run, because it does help them, you know, be more involved and in understanding their own child, because. Because there's also this financial side where ABA can be quite expensive, uh, which mm -hmm. we know it's true. And the fact that I don't like parents being dependent on us. I want them to be able as well to be confident in managing their own child and not feeling that they need their tutor there all the time just to cope with the kids. Yeah. And I think I personally think that's really so that was a really good question then. It's because I don't think everyone in ABA does that. I think sometimes they focus only on the child and they forget that there's a whole world around the child, a lot of people around the child. No, you're correct. Uh, I think the privilege that we have uh, in working with Lauren is that we've got a, a, a multi-generational team. And uh, I, yeah. I think I think it's quite quite good because I feel quite comfortable in talking with parents as 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 a person with children myself, you know, and grandchildren. Yeah. So I 
I, I feel confident enough to go in there and to, to challenge them on stuff and to encourage them. Because I think parents of, of uh, special needs kids need so much encouragement. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I know that, uh, that Lauren has been super encouraging to, to many of the parents in, on, on our team, uh, who, on kids who are at our center here in South Africa. Yeah, you know, I think it's sometimes it can be hard for people to, I always say buy what you're selling, even though that's not a great, I don't know, metaphor or whatever. But, you know, it's you have to get them to invest in what you want to happen. So, or yeah. you feel is best as the professional, you know, that's what they've asked you. So, so yeah, I think, I, I mean, I'm obviously Carl and I are, I've always tried to involve parents and, really develop relationships with parents so that they are trust trust you to make choices for their kids and and support them and their children yeah. in their best interests but i think sometimes that can be really hard in itself um and i unfortunately and in terms of society i think there's a lot of handover in education in general where listen i don't know what to do can you just sort it out um i'm yeah. tired i have this and that and you know what like i'm not a parent and I, it, I can only imagine how difficult it is. But I also work with children, so I understand how much energy it costs mm. or it you use to try yeah. and motivate and get up every morning and be excited to be there and give them attention yeah. and stuff. So I'm, I feel that I talk a little bit from a, a perspective of um, experience. Mm. And so, yeah, I think it can be difficult. I've definitely lost that battle a few times. Um but I also know that I can't do all aspects of it. I can do one end and I can support you to do the other, but I can't do it for you. And so that's, that's, that's hard, hey? I, I wonder whether, I sometimes wonder whether when we, when we, when it's very clear that a parent is projecting uh, issues onto the child, mm. I mm-hmm. think that, 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 we should have the relationship with a parent where we can suggest that that they themselves get into therapy so that they can deal with some yeah. of those issues yeah. in order for them to become more holistic in their perspective on mm. life and on their uh, their nurturing of their own children. Mm. You, you know what? I personally think that therapy should be part of the national health system. Everyone should be in therapy. I personally would love to go back to therapy. Because I think it does help you cope with, not so you're dependent, but it does help you cope with a lot of the life aspects and a lot of the, you know, throw balls that you get just by living. Um, and, you know, my all my friends and my family, if they sometimes say, oh, I'm feeling this and I don't know how to cope. And I'm I'm always like, have you considered therapy? Because it really helps. And people are like, Carla, your answer to everything is therapy. No, it's not the answer to everything, but... Therapy does help. I mean, I don't. I I think I love therapy. I loved having therapy, and it was free at the time. The one I received. <laughs> and Carla, you know. I think I think you get therapy, and you get therapy. I think mm. therapy. I I think just being together sometimes in a in a relationship and in friendship or working on a task or a project can be therapeutic in itself. You know. Mm, true. And um, true. I would I would say that if uh, things like parent support groups. Uh, are, are things yes, that, yes. Where, where informal yeah. therapy can take place without any cost whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. Like I, 
I know this parent, two parents actually, and they actually have a lot in common. They live close by. And recently I asked permission between them to put them in touch because two moms, because one of the moms is going through something. The mom went a few years ago. And, you know, when they when they have they found finally a time to chat and they did both said it was so lovely to see someone with the similar values or is going through the same experience and understands what they're going through. Uh, and it does make a difference when you hear when you feel heard, like we were talking about earlier, children being listened, but also adults feeling heard and understood. And, you know, it's it's also quite important, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I think, you know, this... Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, because we're already at 40 minutes, should we yeah. stop so Dennis can ask us some questions? Because yeah. he said he had some questions. Did you want to ask us anything, Dennis? I was just wondering whether you guys had any any secret answers to be, to getting parental involvement uh, in, in, <laughs> in therapeutic centres like ours. Um, mm, there's a, not I was going to go... Yeah, go for it, Carla. The, the way I try to do it is I add targets that involve the parent because in that, and I try to to make sure, like, I can't force anyone, but I try as much to convince them to participate in those targets because even if it's a simple one, because that little spark usually then, you know, progresses by, like, naturally. So, for example, if a child, I had a case where the child was coming home and hitting the dad, um, and I realized it's because it was, he wasn't, even though he knew the dad was coming home, he had this thing where any interruption would disturb him, and I had the mom actively, you know, say, okay, warn the kids first half an hour in advance and giving him something to play with, and and working on not having to give him as much warning, so progressively, and he stopped hitting the dad. Um, and just that little target of them participating made a difference. So maybe, I don't know, in therapeutical, sorry, English, therapeutical centers. Oh, someone help me, Lauren. I can't Thera- say therapeutical? Is that what you're talking about? Thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, centers, oh, English sometimes, my days. Um, so maybe that could be something to potentially work on where parents actually have to do a little bit of work with the kids because mm. when they realize, because it might be them not feeling confident, why are they not doing things with the kid? Are they not confident in doing them themselves? Are they really yeah. tired? And, and it's, it's also just seeing behavioral them, yeah. history, isn't it? So if you yeah, have, yeah, yeah. say, a 17-year-old, I mean, if you're starting with a parent, there's been 17 years of this relationship. Yeah. So you have to yeah. unpick some of that, and that's what's hard. And you know what? I I was fortunate enough to be part of a, what they call an early years center, whereby mm. the parents come with their children, and the kids are young. So they are, I think the youngest we had was 10 months, and the oldest we had was like oh, three. Oh, what? So like really 10 young. Months. Yeah, wow. baby babies. Some of them didn't have diagnoses yet, but there was suspicion that they might get a diagnosis of autism. Or mm. um, various de- developmental um, problems. So, and the whole premise is that you teach the parent to be the therapist, which is obviously easier when you have a younger child because the learning history is not as long. And that I felt yeah. was really powerful because my job wasn't to teach the kid, my job was to teach the parent to be like me. 
and the progress yeah. and i know that they're young so they're like sponges right so they learn stuff really quickly that yeah. had a completely different perspective yeah. um as opposed to us being the therapist and then working with the parent to do you know that that way around I like that yeah. so we that's what we did and you know some parents found it really frustrating and really difficult and some parents just just did it and was amazing and what and some then, parents just disconnect of course so what was easier then was when the parents went home they had all the tools because they'd had someone help them throughout the whole like i'd say morning three hours three times a week so you're getting nine hours of therapy but you're getting trained how to be the therapist sure. that's very very stimulating for me yeah because uh, i think that that holds real possibility yeah um and uh, i i just hope that we can find uh, a motivation that will get the, the parents mm. kicked into this into this, this role because yeah. those are, as you said Carla earlier on you are so busy doing life uh, keeping mm. your head above the, <laughs> the bread line as it were that um, sometimes we don't have time to to think about the possibility of a little bit of extra training of or a bit of yeah. support or therapy or whatever the case may be but yeah thank you for that that's that is very special uh, I'm certainly going to give that one some more thought. Yeah, and I think also then it's slightly easier because you already you you know what to do. I think that's the thing is when you have to undo, it's harder. But also parents have to want to invest. So yeah. some parents wouldn't really know what we were doing. They didn't haven't heard about ABA, but they were like, oh, this kid can come, and then they'd see it in in real action. So they would understand it more than what they've heard about what it is. Because that sometimes hinders the process. Sure. Or they don't understand what it is. They just think, because a lot of people think that Carl and I just play with kids with autism. That's what they think we do. And I'm like, it's actually really technical. It's actually really a science. It's actually like we're taking this and we're, you know, it's very, very complicated. It takes a lot of research to figure out why we need to teach this way and that way and whatever the case may be. So if you invest it or you respect it as a, as as you would a doctor's opinion or a, uh, a, a I don't know archaeologist opinion opinion then you're more likely to want to do it if you mm. don't understand it you're probably not going to be sold yeah. and I think no. that's what we get a lot yeah. isn't it Carla people don't really understand what we do yeah why even for everything yeah I think this is the privilege that I've had of of seeing Lauren in action and I've seen the benefit of the science. Uh, which which begs the question, as far as I'm concerned, is is there being enough is there being enough research, and are there ongoing studies that are uh, are happening in order to uh, to address the issue of of the growing challenge challenges that kids are facing? Because I'm I need to believe there that, is. There is quite a lot of research. I I would have to look at in Google Scholar, but like there's, I think there's a lot of people concerned about that and about uh, parents' involvement. Um, I'm not sure about recent studies. I know when I had to do dissertation and I was looking into some of the like the topics, there was some about the influence that it has just having the teacher or the parents running procedures. Um, but I can't say for sure, but I know there's a lot of research is done every year on behavior analysis. There's there's a lot of people doing research. Uh, but again, it's not, 
only when you know exactly where to look can you find it, which is quite annoying sometimes because uh, you... And even when I'm researching for like for, for programs, I'm, I like to use research to base my practice in. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you need to find this, sometimes the specific terminology and you have to be no. a, to kind of be a bit more savvy to know where to find it. And again, that can be that's something actually ABA could work on is making the research more um, available or easier to find yeah. because it's not always easy to find the research you're looking for, to be honest. I think also we need to make sure that the research is, is not only there, but accessible. Mm. And I mean, accessible isn't, it's easy to read content. Because often yeah. I want to share stuff with people, but it's written oh, in I know. such a way oh. that it It's like, yes, we know you're smart. Get yeah. over it. <laughs> it wouldn't help others, That's right. you know. And this is, this, is know. Excuse me. this is what I've appreciated so much in, uh, in watching Lauren work. Because I can see this is working. I can see the growth. And uh, often when I can't see the growth, Lauren reminds me of the growth that's happening because she's got the inside track of, yeah. of, um, yeah. of, of what a result looks like uh, for, for, for kids with, uh, with, who are on the spectrum. See, my last question for you, Dennis, is how lovely is it to work with Lauren? <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> well, isn't she amazing? I love she, her so much. <laughs> she, she really is. I love her energy. I love her passion and her compassion. Um, she's gone to great lengths because we really are. Um, we we've, we started with, uh, and we run our whole operation on the smell of an oil rag, which means on very little. Um, yeah. She, she certainly isn't uh, being rewarded uh, for her for her expertise at all. But we we've got we've got hopes for greater things as uh, as we become uh, perhaps more visible to the public and as more and more as the good news of of children who are growing uh, expands yeah so yeah I agree with you she's lovely to yeah, work with I I I talk to Lauren a lot um, which you know about everything. And I, I've told her, next time I see you, I think I'm going to cry because I haven't seen her since she moved away. Um, yeah. And we used to see each other a lot, like especially going to the cinema and being annoying to everyone around us. <laughs> yeah, Carl and I are quite... So, yeah, I mean, it's, it is really sad, isn't it? I mean, because Carl and I, so yeah. me, we met... Because Carl actually was employed as my staff. So, um, yeah. And um, fortunate enough to have, I think we had like nine months together, didn't we, Carla? You in my class for about nine yeah. months. Yeah, um, I know. I wish it could have been longer. Yeah, so so very, very fortunate. And we just clicked on a lot of levels. So we're very, very lucky to be colleagues as well as friends. Um, and yeah, very sad that we can't go to, we used to go to the cinema like every week, Dennis, all the, all the time. This is like our thing. Hey, yeah, we get cool. loads of food and we sit in the cinema and just giggle. And, How many um, times did you watch Wonder Woman in the cinema? The Wonder Woman, not as many yeah, times as I watched Jumanji. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh, Jumanji, yes. yes. Jumanji like five times. Um, oh, we went so much. We went so yeah. often. Oh. oh, yeah. So, Carla, uh, here's the invitation from two South Africans. Come, yes. Come and visit. Come and look at what we're doing. We'd love to see you in person. Yeah. See, I really want to go. Uh, Laura and I have spoken about this because 
because my husband, like, you know, he doesn't listen to this. It's fine. But uh, he, because <laughs> he's very scared of me going alone to South Africa. And I've told him, look, Lauren's been there a lot. There's a lot of people who go there. Nothing happens because she knows how to keep safe. So, because he, he looks at the statistics and he looks at the mm. numbers and he gets really scared. And I've told him, you come with me then. Yeah. Come with me. <laughs> great, and great idea. I've told him, like, you're, you're being silly. Like, at the same time, you know when it's your partner, you don't want your partner to feel like he's not being listened to and that his concerns are not valid. So I'm trying to show him, look, Lauren's moved back a few years now and she's okay. So she, yeah. we're not going to go out raving in the middle of Johannesburg, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... <laughs> he would be very surprised at how sleepy and how... um average our lifestyles are i would say i mean yeah, we're very lucky because exactly. it's beautiful i mean south africa is very 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 beautiful and yeah it's exciting from the diverse. pictures yeah um i think i don't have i don't know if i have any end thoughts carla do you i i, I just want to say thank you for joining us dennis it was so lovely to hear you and to talk to you that's thank my you. end my end thoughts to be honest <laughs> yeah thank you for your time dennis thank you at uh, life keeps growing yeah and i keep learning so thank you very much <laughs> we thank we all should keep, i think i always heard this if you if you stop learning you you're dead inside mm. i would agree with that yeah yeah everyone thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed our episode as much as we did chatting to dennis um Please feel free to email us on aba.owls.uk at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at aba underscore owls. You know, if you have a particular topic you want us to address, we would love to hear from you. And yeah. Cool. And um, the Hoot Chronicles will be out in two weeks' time on the 20th of June. And our next Owls will be out on Monday, the 4th of July. So look out for those, guys. Or just subscribe because it will download itself. If you have a moment, please rate, like, and of course, as I mentioned, subscribe to us. We heard through the grapevine that it helps to get us more listeners, and Carl and I are always looking to expand and help as many people as possible. So please do do those things for us. We are chirping with ABA Owls on iTunes, and on Instagram, we're at ABA underscore Owls, and on Facebook, we're ABA Owls. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. At the moment, we have the you know the aloe plant, aloe vera, it's starting to flower, and it's just such a special plant oh. because it's thorny and it's kind of weird, but it's got this orange or pink bright flower, and I think that's probably very South African. That it's unusual, but it's bright and it's colourful and it's yeah, it's unexpected. A complete sorry, complete side note. But when he did the first aid course, did you have the guy telling you that if you have a burn, you should keep aloe vera at home and just rub it on the burn? Yeah. So when, but the thing I'm, is, not, not everyone has aloe vera. At the, I know. Well, we have it growing like, everywhere. It literally grows everywhere in South Africa. So we're very oh fortunate. My. We've got lots of lots of therapeutic um, remedies here and lots of yeah. um, interesting cultures to listen to. And, um, yeah, South Africa's a, it's, uh, yeah, it's quite an interesting place, I would say. It's definitely an experience. Um, I think I, I don't know if I told you when I was a, when I was a teenager and we had to do A levels we had the final project yeah. and my friend and I chose three countries to do a project on and South mm -hmm. Africa was one of them oh, really? where we 
yeah, we did research. We did traditional old-timey kind of outfits. Uh, mm-hmm. We did the traditional houses. We did paintings on it. Uh, we did nice. a lot of research at the time. But mm-hmm. I was, you know, my brain was younger. My brain now is mush, so, you know. Yeah, sad. Now... Sad. <laughs>